Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Mark chapter one, chapter five, verses one through 20. And um, let's read it together. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke broke the, uh, you know, I need a little bit more light here. I'll tell you what. You have the same problem? Uh, Maybe that'll help. You just started using them, yes. (laughs) When you can't read the road signs, you need an operation, amen. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus, when he saw who? From a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what happened, and when they came to Jesus... They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, and Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercies. People just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost a moment. Extension in Dillingham online. You have a whole massive group of people in Samoa. All right. And in uh, King Sam, a whole bunch of people. People just begin to pray. Those of you on la- online, there in Samoa, and Dillingham, and King Salmon, you pray with us right now. Everybody, lift your voice. You have the freedom to pray with your spirit. Just begin to pray out loud. You say, why are you doing this, Pastor? Because look, I'm not here to give a lecture. I'm here to be a voice for God through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I need your help. 
So come on, let's pray. Father, I'm asking for an anointing tonight. You want to set at liberty those that are captive. You want to open the eyes of the blind and see a reality they may not have seen before. I'm asking you, Lord, to begin to do a mighty work in me and through me. Holy Ghost, come in power and in might. Come upon me. Give me great liberty in preaching. And I pray that you would touch every person under the sound of my voice. That you, O oh God, would be glorified. And the powers of darkness would be broken off of your people. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It was 1991. My wife and I were on vacation. We were traveling cross-country on this great land. I was driving. And something happened. Something happened which God used to open my understanding of the battle we face as believers. At that time, I just finished my doctorate in 1988. I'd written a dissertation on how demons affect people and cultures and places. And God had allowed me to be a part of something that was happening in the church worldwide a resurgence of understanding of the war that we fight, the reality of spiritual warfare. I was a part of a group of authors that if I mentioned their names, you would all know them, who had written on the subject. It was called the Spiritual Warfare Network. But what God spoke to me in that car, or what I thought that day, Little did I know would open an understanding of the spiritual realm that hitherto I had not known. And you say, well, pastor, what about this text? Well, when you look at this text, you realize this incident in the life of Jesus is found in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, the Synoptic Gospels. And each Gospel gives a little picture that's a little different than the other Gospel, and you know why that would be. This isn't choreography here. It's not all saying, here's what we're going to write. They all saw things from a unique perspective and wrote about it. But when you put those three stories together, something emerges that is very powerful. The story actually begins in chapter 4. And if you've not read chapter 4, you'll, you, you'll realize Jesus said something to his disciples. Let us go to the other side of the lake. Now, when Jesus says that, you realize two things. Number one, there's a reason why he's going to the other side of the lake. He has an appointment. Disciples didn't know that. And secondly, no matter what happens, he's going to get to the other side. Well, as you know the story, the disciples embark on their journey to the other side. It was a nice, wonderful evening. And what happens is a storm comes up. Jesus has been ministering all day. He's tired. He's asleep. And you'll notice something. The disciples wake up Jesus and they say to him some shocking words. They say, uh, don't you care if we drown? 
sounds a lot like us when we're going through problems. Don't you care about me, God? Now, what you have to notice about this storm is that it came up quickly. And Jesus' reaction to it is very fascinating. He stands up. And uh, you realize that this storm is an attempt by demonic power to keep Jesus from going to the other side. Because what Jesus says is fascinating. He says, he says to the waves to be still, and he rebukes the wind. Now, that word rebuke is an interesting word because it's used when you confront demons. It's also used when you're rebuking a human being who may be uh, doing stuff that's wrong. So all of a sudden, you, you, you get a picture now that not every storm is what the insurance company says it is, an act of God. There are demonic storms. And Jesus spoke to the storm like he would speak to a person. And he rebuked it. Now we notice that something arose in the hearts of the disciples there in chapter 4. They were afraid. And we notice that fear can rob us of faith. In fact, Jesus said to them, in chapter 4, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And he's telling us fear and faith are antithetical to each other. That literally, if you are full of fear, you're going to drain your faith. But if you're full of faith, you're going to wipe out fear. You see, Jesus is on a mission. Disciples don't know it, but he's on a mission. You've got to understand something. When you begin to operate as a man and a woman of God, God gives you missions to do. And the enemy doesn't like it. And so there may come a storm on occasion in your life. Don't freak out. Continue with the mission. You'll notice that Jesus gets to the other side and he confronts the powers of darkness that possessed a man. In fact, he comes to the Gentile territory of the Gadarenes or Decapolis. It's Gentile territory. It's not Jewish territory. And you'll notice that when he gets there, this demonized man who terrorized the community confronts him. Now, at that moment, I want you to see two things. The first thing is we get insight into the demonic by how this person walked and lived. I want to look at that for a moment because I want you to understand what's happening to our culture. Our culture is preparing itself for the rise of an antichrist. You have to understand that. 
We are not, we are living at a time when an antichrist is emerging. And you can tell by how demonic powers function. Let me share, share with you when you see this man that's called Legion. The demonized person had a fascination with death. He lived among the tombs. It's an amazing thing how much movie time is spent on death. How people dress in such a way where they communicate death. We, we even glorify death and horror one time a year called Halloween. We, we are creating a culture of death, and some of that has come about because we have murdered millions and millions of people, the unborn. And that worship of Molech, which we do today with the killing of the children, has created a culture of death. He lived among the tombs. That's not by accident. It's the nature of the demonic. Secondly, you'll notice in Luke 8, 27, it states that he ran around naked. The current emphasis on nudity is a demonic emphasis. You have to understand something. Instinctively, when Adam and Eve sinned, now there was a nakedness with them. There was no guilt. There was no shame. There was no fear. It was a picture of what a married couple should have. But the moment they sinned, they instinctively, nobody told them to do it. They attempted to clothe themselves with fig leaves. And you know what God did? He killed an animal and clothed them with the skins of that animal. It was a picture of how he would clothe all of us with the death of his own son whose blood was shed on Calvary to close us with his righteousness. And from that point on in humanity, you say, well, why did Adam and Eve attempt to clothe themselves? They were the only two people around. It's because in a sinful world, nakedness is a destroying if it's outside of the bonds of a marriage between one man and one woman, it becomes an instrument by which you become bound by demon power. They instinctively knew it. You begin to lose your own person. You begin to be able to be manipulated easy. It's all a part of the very nature of it because the demonic uses it. Think about what's happening even today. The demonic uses pictures that come to people in movies and on the internet, and they begin to plant themselves in their mind. Never forget a man who came to me and said, Pastor, would you pray for my son? His son didn't come to my church. The father did. So I said, well, of course. He said, my son's losing his mind. So we sat in the office and father was sitting here. The young man was probably about 18, was sitting there. And as I always do when I counseled, I said, let's pray. So I began to pray. And when I prayed, the Holy Spirit gave me 
a question to ask him. It happens many times. It was an unusual question. I finished praying and I said to him, I said, have you ever gone to a friend's house and watched porn? Now that's a pretty direct question. He was rather shocked by the question. But he said, yes, I have. I said, what's happening in your mind that's captivated your mind? Is it the images you saw when you were at your friend's mouth? He said, yes, it is. And it's killing me. You're not playing with a, with just pictures. You're playing with demonic power. This man was naked. It's not by accident he was. It's the very nature of the demonic. To lose one's personhood. To destroy a personhood of an individual. Thirdly, you'll notice very clearly in Matthew 8 that the only person that was with him was also demonized. Demonized people like to hang out with demonized people. You wonder why your children hang out with certain individuals. I'll tell you why. They're demonized just like their friends. And you're just thinking, oh, my kid's perfect. No, he's not. Why, why is it that you ha- some, some people that say, oh, I love Jesus, but then they go hang out at the bar. They know who's going to be at the bar. Oh, it's not my fault. She just, she, just, she just came to me and she seduced me. No, no, no. You went there. It was a demon calling another demon. Don't give me this nonsense. You better watch what friends your children have. You better watch what friends you have as adults. Fourthly, he was uncontrollable, could not be restrained. Can I share something with you? If you don't control yourself, somebody else will. Some parents let their children do whatever they want. Well, you make up your own mind. Are you, are you dumb or something? Listen to me. Everyone is fallen. You never have to teach a child to say no. You never have to teach a child to disobey you. They do it automatically. So that's never happened in my home. Well, then I'll adopt your child because I'm telling you why. We have a fallen human nature. And you have to be able to realize something. That if you don't teach your children rules and teach your children boundaries and you don't allow them to know what is right and wrong, you are preparing a child to become demonized. Right. 
One of the unusual things in this story is here's this man who's so completely demonized. We don't know how many demons, but the demons, it was a cluster of demons. And oftentimes there are clusters of demons that work in a person. This cluster was huge because the demon called himself Legion. And yet what's interesting to me is when he saw Jesus, he ran toward Jesus. Now you have to ask the serious question, and I don't know if I have an answer for it. It could have been the demon realizing he was in trouble. And so he was going to try to um, uh, submit himself to Jesus in hopes of mercy. Or, and I like to think the second one, that in the midst of a demonized person, that there's still something there that yearns for goodness, yearns for that which is right. And he runs toward Jesus. That brings me then to the fifth thing. Demons are tied to something the demon are, 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 are actually called and tied to something demons do. For example, in this case, the demon called himself legion because he was a cluster of demons. So if, you know, everybody tries to get into this nonsense of, of all these secret names of demons, stop it already. You have to understand how names came about in the Old Testament and in ancient times. If you were born with one arm, for the rest of your life, you were called one arm. If you had one eye, you were called one eye. Now, that's not fair, it's not right, but that's what they did. You were called, you you know, you were called oftentimes by even the way you were born. You know, you take, for example, the child who had the wonderful name of Ichabod. The glory has departed. Can you imagine Ichabod going to school? And he walks in and everybody says, well, the glory has departed. (laughs) That was his name. So Legion was simply saying, we're a cluster of demons. So a spirit that grabs you and controls you with anger is what kind of spirit? A spirit of anger. A spirit of lust, a spirit of greed. Those are real things because you're, they're called by what they do or how they function. So here Legion is his name, this cluster of demons that control him. Let me just tell you something about, well, I probably shouldn't get into this. But I leave tomorrow morning, so... We had an evangelist come to our church. Great man. And one of the joys of being the pastor is you get to talk to them after the service when you're eating. And, and so I, shared, I asked him about his life. and He was sharing with me that his mentor was a man who had tremendous power in casting out demons. He came to the Lord, this, this man, and... Uh, His mentor said to him, and he was 
already beginning to be in the ministry. And his mentor said to him, you have a demon. He said, no, I don't. I'm, I've given my life to Jesus. I don't have a demon. He said, I see it. It's right here in your chest. And he, he said, uh, no, I don't think so. He said, I'll show you. So he spoke to that demon and he said, bow down. And so this, this evangelist bows down. And he said, you foul spirit of anger, come out of him. He said it was like somebody took a hook, stuck it in his chest and pulled on it. And this thing came out. And then it dawned on him. Nobody would ever touch his chest. If he did, he would, he would nearly kill them. It was a spirit that had controlled him. I won't get into all this, you guys. Listen, this is a real world. This is not some make-believe thing. There are spirits that try to control your mind. Some of you are feeding them. Now listen, come on. You're actually allowing them space in your life. Oh, uh, it's not going to hurt anybody. Are you kidding me? Whatever demon you have that seems to run your life, we're going to believe tonight it will go. That brings me then to the sixth thing. That he was driven by demons. The demon drove him, it says, in Luke chapter 8, into a solitary place. Did you know that one of the tricks of the enemy is isolation? One of the marks of the demonic is isolation. COVID is a good example. And COVID will last for a while. You say, how do you know that? It's because it's working so well. It's a demonic thing. Pestilence or pandemics or plagues is actually a whip. It's really, that's what it says. It's a whip of the demonic. Think about all the isolation. Think about when your child or somebody begins to just isolate themselves. Oh, I'm so hurt. I'm so grieving. I'm so this, I'm so that. And you isolate yourself. You have to understand something. If the enemy can isolate you from the house of God, he can kill you.
I've seen it happen time and time again. Somebody gets offended. Well, I'm not going to go to church anymore. Well, if you don't want to come here, that's fine. But find another church. Don't isolate yourself. I'm going to lock myself in my room. You're going to be feasted on by demons. That brings me to the eighth thing. You still with me? In Mark 5, 5, it states, he cried out and cut himself with stones. It's a picture of self-mutilation, self-destruction. We have a culture of mutilators today, continually mutilating their body, piercings and all the rest. Cuttings. 13-year-old girl came to my office many years ago. She was cutting her wrist. Her parents attended the church. She attended the church. And what happened as a junior higher? Now, this was, sheesh, this was 35 years ago. There was a boy in the junior high class that she was in. She was attracted to, and he saw that as an opportunity to use her, and he raped her. Junior higher. And she began to cut herself out of guilt and shame. I remember she told me the story, I, which I was so thankful she did because I could pray for her and bring deliverance. But how many people has the enemy done that to in their suffering? Here's a man who's cutting himself, trying to destroy himself. There are people that are trying to destroy themselves with alcohol and drugs and all kinds of behavior. It's demonic. You see, Jesus said it this way. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more. Abundantly. Somebody say amen. The ninth thing, demonic powers can be assigned to particular places. Why does evil linger in a particular place? It's because of evil that's been done there. I've gone to houses that were demonized. I've had to deal with issues like that. Never forget a, I don't know why I'm telling you all this stuff. A couple came to me one day. They brought their daughter. Their daughter was probably not, I think she was nine or 10 years old. I can't recall exactly how old she was. And they said, Pastor, uh, our daughter is seeing things. Well, just like any person, you think, well, maybe uh, she's having, she has a fever and she's seeing things. And I asked them about it. They said, no, she's fine physically, but she sees things. And it's very fearful to her. Well, then I spent some time alone with the, doc, the, the parents. I said, now, let me ask you some questions because I have to depend on the Holy Ghost to give me unusual questions to ask. So after I prayed, 
I said to them, I said, now, um, have you, uh, have you been reading any particular kind of books lately? He said, oh yeah, a friend of mine, mine gave us a book that my wife and I have been reading when we go to bed. I said, what's it about? He said, well, it's about a girl. It happened to be the exact age of their daughter. And it was a girl that was demonized. I said, did you read it out loud? He said, yeah, we were reading it to each other. I said, did you call on the name of that demon when you read it out loud? They looked at me with a blank stare and said, yes. I said, I think I know what your problem is. I'm not making this up. I said, I think you summoned that demon, same age as your daughter, and she's seeing that. So I prayed. And then I said, I'll come over to your house and bless your house. So the way I bless houses, the way I teach my pastors to bless houses is they command demons to leave and any evil that's done there. So I'm walking through the house and the Holy Spirit says, pause here. Parents didn't tell me where I was or what I was doing, but simply pause there. And I began to command a spirit to leave that room. Come to find out it was the very room that that girl slept in. This is real, guys. Please hear me. You are facing an enemy that's got a lot more smarts than you. Been around a long time. And you think you can handle this by playing church? Demonic powers can be assigned to particular places. There was evil done there. Those demons would have stayed in that place. That's why they begged not to leave the area. You say, well, that doesn't make a lick of sense. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. In 2 Kings 17, you'll notice the story of the Assyrian king. They had destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel and removed the people from there and put them in other parts of their empire and moved a new people there. When the new people moved in, lions began to kill them. And they cried out to the king of Assyria, and the king of Assyria said, the reason why lions are killing you is you're not worshiping the God of the land. So they took a priest and tried to have him teach them how to worship Jehovah God. There are very real spirits that try to control places, try to control families generationally. You can, you know, what's interesting, you know, I I did my doctorate in in counseling, pastoral counseling and in church growth, a combined thing. That's why I wrote on demons, because it affected both parts of my doctorate. And one of the things years ago when I was working on my doctorate was this concept that began to come about in counseling where they began to look at generations 
and look at the family structure as to what persons in the family had what problems. And they noted how those problems continued throughout generations. If it was a, 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 a woman who was an alcoholic, her child would have a daughter and she would be an alcoholic. And it would just go on and on. You say, how could that be? Oh, I know. There are real demons that like to control families. And they like areas. And they think that they control those areas. <laughs> but I've got news for you. Good news. You can minimize the power of those demons in a given area. Demons want to inhabit human beings. Why? Because they are the best host to do destruction. And they want to destroy human beings because they're made in the image of God. Now, people that are dumb, they go, oh, well, well what have I done? I've never done anything wrong. Why would, why would, why would the devil want to take me to hell? Because he hates God. And you're the apple of God's eye. You're made in his image. He hates you. And he'll destroy you any way he can. He said, Pastor, I'm depressed. Well, get over it. Because I got some good news. We see the authority of Jesus over demons and his power to transform a life. Demons knew they were no match for Jesus and they knew who he was when his disciples didn't even know him. And they knew that, that he could send them to the abyss, the bottomless pit. One of the things you have to realize is happening right now is that in the book of Revelation, there's a picture of Abaddon leading a host of very strange creatures out of the abyss. You know what that is? It's demonic powers that are flooding the world at the end of time. That is happening now. If you plan to just play church, you're dead. This is not a time to play around with God. It's time to be serious. They knew he was merciful. That's the amazing thing of Jesus. They knew he was merciful. They asked him, we'll go into the pigs. You say, well, why would Jesus let him go into the pigs? That's a fascinating question. Well, I think Jesus knew what they would do to the pigs. And, you know, Jews don't care for pigs. <laughs> because anything having to do with demons is death. But I believe there was something else at work. I believe what Jesus was doing, when those demons went into those pigs and the whole herd went and got drowned, Jesus was saying to the man, you are free of every demon spirit 
and they are gone and they're not coming back. It was an object lesson for the man and the disciples. But thirdly, a clear picture is given of what Jesus can do to transform a life. Think about it for a moment. The man was sitting with Jesus. He no longer was out of control. He was with, had peace. He, he was enjoying just being in the presence of God. Friend, listen to me. I get grieved when there isn't a hunger in the hearts of God's people just to be in his presence, to be in the house of the Lord. Well, I'll go when I can. You'll never go. If you don't have a hunger for God, you're going to die. If you don't have a physical hunger for food, you're going to become emaciated and die. It's a disease. If you don't have a hunger for God, check your appetite. Something's wrong with it. He was sitting there. Just enjoying God's presence. And it says... He was sitting and he was clothed, no longer naked, a picture of a person who's now restored. His personhood is restored. He was in his right mind, no longer under the control of outside forces. He could think clearly now. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. So greatly was the transformation that the people were afraid of Jesus because they saw a power greater than the demonic. They, they would have rather had the demoniac stay the demoniac than have Jesus stay there. They were fearful. You say, oh, that, that can't happen. I've seen it happen. I had a man come into my church on Maui, got free from drugs. He became an evangelist. His parents liked him better when he was a drug addict. But Jesus had a part of this mission that only this man could do. Jesus was concerned that people knew his goodness and could experience the life that he could give. So he commissioned this former demonized man to go back to his family and share how much the Lord has done for him. And it says he went throughout all of Decapolis being a witness for Jesus. And here's the interesting thing. If you've ever traced Decapolis or the Gerasenes or Gadara, all these things, they are an area. Jesus comes back to it again. But this time, huge crowds gathered. In fact, some have suggested it was in that place where he fed the 4,000. Because the 4,000 were Gentiles. 
That's why it doesn't say for, you, if you read it in the NIV, you'll get lost. But the King James is perfect because it says that he fed 4,000. It doesn't say 4,000 men, 4,000 people. They were Gentiles. Are you hearing me? That guy did a great job. Somebody say hallelujah. Just think of what could happen here in Alaska. If we'd go home and tell all we know of the love of Christ for us to our families. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.